Section eight of Germana by Emile Zola. Translation by Havelock Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Part two. Chapter two. The room remained shut up, and the shutters had allowed gradual streaks of daylight to form a fan on the ceiling. The confined air stupefied them so that they continued their night's slumber. Lenore and Henri in each other's arms alzire with her head back lying on her hump while father bonmort having the bed of zacharie and jalin to himself snored with open mouth no sound came from the closet where maheu had gone to sleep again while suckling estelle her breast hanging to one side the child lying across her belly stuffed with milk overcome also and stifling in the soft flesh of the bosom the clock below struck six along the front of the settlement one heard the sound of doors then the clatter of sabots along the pavements the screening women were going to the pit and silence again fell until seven o'clock then shutters were drawn back yawns and coughs were heard through the walls for a long time a coffee-mill scraped but no one awoke in the room suddenly a sound of blows and shouts far away made azir sit up she was conscious of the time and ran barefooted to shake her mother 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 it is late you have to go out take care you are crushing estelle and she saved the child half stifled beneath the enormous mass of the breasts good gracious stammered maheude rubbing her eyes i'm so knocked up i could sleep all day dress lenore and henri i'll take them with me and you can take care of estelle i don't want to drag her along for fear of hurting her this dog's weather she hastily washed herself and put on an old blue skirt her cleanest and a loose jacket of grey wool in which she had made two patches the evening before and the soup good gracious she muttered again when her mother had gone down upsetting everything alzire went back into the room taking with her estelle who had begun screaming but she was used to the little one's rages at eight she had all a woman's tender cunning in soothing and amusing her she gently placed her in her still warm bed and put her to sleep again giving her a finger to suck it was time for now another disturbance broke out and she had to make peace between lenore and henri who at last awoke these children could never get on together it was only when they were asleep that they put their hands round one another's necks the girl who was six years old as soon as she was awake set on the boy her junior by two years who received her blows without returning them both of them had the same kind of head which was too large for them as if blown out with disorderly yellow hair alzire had to pull her sister by the legs threatening to take the skin off her bottom then there was stamping over the washing and over every garment that she put on to them the shutters remained closed so as not to disturb father bonmort's sleep he went on snoring amid the children's frightful clatter it's ready are you coming up there shouted maheu she had put back the blinds and stirred up the fire adding some coal to it her hope was that the old man had not swallowed all the soup but she found the saucepan dry and cooked a handful of vermicelli which she had been keeping for three days in reserve they could swallow it with water 
without butter as there could not be any remaining from the day before and she was surprised to find that catherine in preparing the bricks had performed the miracle of leaving a piece as large as a nut but this time the cupboard was indeed empty nothing not a crust not an odd fragment not a bone to gnaw what was to become of them if maigrat persisted in cutting short their credit and if the Pialin people would not give them the five francs when the men and the girl returned from the pit they would want to eat for unfortunately it had not yet been found out how to live without eating come down will you she cried out getting angry i ought to be gone by this when alcire and the children were there she divided the vermicelli in three small portions she herself was not hungry she said although catherine had already poured water on the coffee dregs of the day before she did so over again and swallowed two large glasses of coffee so weak that it looked like rusty water that would keep her up all the same listen she repeated to alzire you must let your grandfather sleep you must watch that estelle does not knock her head and if she wakes or if she howls too much here take this bit of sugar and melt it and give it her in spoonfuls i know that you are sensible and won't eat it yourself and school mother school well that must be left for another day i want you and the soup would you like me to make it if you come back late soup soup no wait till i come alzire with the precocious intelligence of a little invalid girl could make soup very well she must have understood for she did not insist now the whole settlement was awake bands of children were going to school and one heard the trailing noise of their clogs eight o'clock struck and a growing murmur of chatter arose on the left among the levaque people the women were commencing their day around the coffee-pots with their fists on their hips their tongues turning without ceasing like millstones a faded head with thick lips and flattened nose was pressed against a window-pane calling out got some news stop a bit no no later on replied maheu i have to go out and for fear of giving way to the offer of a glass of hot coffee she pushed lenore and henri and set out with them up above father bonnemort was still snoring with a rhythmic snore which rocked the house outside maheude was surprised to find that the wind was no longer blowing there had been a sudden thaw the sky was earth-coloured the walls were sticky with greenish moisture and the roads were covered with pitch-like mud a special kind of mud peculiar to the coal country as black as diluted soot thick and tenacious enough to pull off her sabots suddenly she boxed lenore's ears because the little one amused herself by piling the mud on her clogs as on the end of a shovel on leaving the settlement she had gone along by the pit-bank and followed the road of the canal making a short cut through broken-up paths across rough country shut in by mossy palings sheds succeeded one another long workshop buildings tall chimneys spitting out soot and soiling this ravaged suburb of an industrial district behind a clump of poplars the old requilla pit exhibited its crumbling steeple of which the large skeleton alone stood upright and turning to the right maheude found herself on the high road stop stop dirty pig i'll teach you to make mincemeat 
now it was henri who had taken a handful of mud and was moulding it the two children had their ears impartially boxed and were brought into good order looking out of the corner of their eyes at the mud pies they had made they dragged along already exhausted by their efforts to unstick their shoes at every step on the marchian side the road unrolled its two leagues of pavement which stretched straight as a ribbon soaked in cart grease between the reddish fields but on the other side it went winding down through monceau which was built on the slope of a large undulation in the plain these roads in the nord drawn like a string between manufacturing towns with their slight curves their slow ascents gradually get lined with houses and tend to make the department one laborious city the little brick houses daubed over to enliven the climate some yellow others blue others black the last no doubt in order to reach at once their final shade went serpentining down to right and to left to the bottom of the slope a few large two-story villas the dwellings of the heads of the workshops made gaps in the serried line of narrow facades a church also of brick looked like a new model of a large furnace with its square tower already stained by the floating coal dust and amid the sugar-works the rope-works and the flour-mills there stood out ballrooms restaurants and beer-shops which were so numerous that to every thousand houses there were more than five hundred inns as she approached the company's yards a vast series of storehouses and workshops maheude decided to take henri and lenot by the hand one on the right the other on the left beyond was situated the house of the director monsieur hanbeau a sort of vast chalet separated from the road by a grating and then a garden in which some lean trees vegetated just then a carriage had stopped before the door and a gentleman with decorations and a lady in a fur cloak alighted visitors just arrived from paris at the marchiennes station for madame hambeau who appeared in the shadow of the porch was uttering exclamations of surprise and joy come along then dawdlers growled maheude pulling the two little ones who were standing in the mud when she arrived at maigrat's she was quite excited maigrat lived close to the manager only a wall separated the latter's ground from his own small house and he had there a warehouse a long building which opened on to the road as a shop without a front he kept everything there grocery cooked meats fruit and sold bread beer and saucepans formerly an overseer at the Baroque, he had started with a small canteen then thanks to the protection of his superiors his business had enlarged gradually killing the monceau retail trade he centralized merchandise and the considerable custom of the settlements enabled him to sell more cheaply and to give longer credit besides he had remained in the company's hands and they had built his small house and his shop here i am again monsieur maigrat said maheude humbly finding him standing in front of his door he looked at her without replying he was a stout cold polite man and he prided himself on never changing his mind now you won't send me away again like yesterday we must have bread from now to saturday sure enough we owe you sixty francs these two years she explained in short painful phrases it was an old debt contracted during the last strike twenty times over they had promised to settle it but they had not been able 
they could not even give him forty sous a fortnight and then a misfortune had happened two days before she had been obliged to pay twenty francs to a shoemaker who threatened to seize their things and that was why they were without a sou otherwise they would have been able to go on until saturday like the others Maigret, with protruded belly and folded arms shook his head at every supplication only two loaves monsieur Maigret. i am reasonable i don't ask for coffee only two three-pound loaves a day no he shouted at last at the top of his voice his wife had appeared a pitiful creature who passed all her days over a ledger without even daring to lift her head she moved away frightened at seeing this unfortunate woman turning her ardent beseeching eyes towards her it was said that she yielded the conjugal bed to the putters among the customers it was a known fact that when a miner wished to prolong his credit he had only to send his daughter or his wife plain or pretty it mattered not provided they were complacent maheude still imploring maigret with her look felt herself uncomfortable under the pale keenness of his small eyes which seemed to undress her it made her angry she would have understood before she had had seven children when she was young and she went off violently dragging lenore and henri who were occupied in picking up nutshells from the gutter where they were making investigations this won't bring you luck monsieur maigret remember now there only remained the Pierlain people if these would not throw her a five-franc piece she might as well lie down and die she had taken the choiselle road on the left the administration building was there at the corner of the road a veritable brick palace where the great people from paris princes and generals and members of the government came every autumn to give large dinners as she walked she was already spending the five francs first bread then coffee afterwards a quarter of butter a bushel of potatoes for the morning soup and the evening stew finally perhaps a bit of pig's chitterlings for the father needed meat the cure of monceau abbe joueur was passing holding up his cassock with the delicate air of a fat well-nourished cat afraid of wetting its fur he was a mild man who pretended not to interest himself in anything so as not to vex either the workers or the masters good day monsieur le cure without stopping he smiled at the children and left her planted in the middle of the road she was not religious but she had suddenly imagined that this priest would give her something and the journey began again through the black sticky mud there were still two kilometres to walk and the little ones dragged behind more than ever for they were frightened and no longer amused themselves to right and to left of the path the same vague landscape unrolled enclosed within mossy palings the same factory buildings dirty with smoke bristling with tall chimneys then the flat land was spread out in immense open fields like an ocean of brown clods without a tree trunk as far as the purplish line of the forest of vandame carry me mother she carried them one after the other puddles made holes in the pathway and she pulled up her clothes fearful of arriving too dirty three times she nearly fell so sticky was that confounded pavement and as they at last arrived before the porch two enormous dogs threw themselves upon them barking so loudly that the little ones yelled with terror 
the coachman was obliged to take a whip to them leave your sabbats and come in repeated honorine in the dining-room the mother and children stood motionless dazed by the sudden heat and very constrained beneath the gaze of this old lady and gentleman who were stretched out in their easy-chairs cecile said the old lady fulfil your little duties the gregoires charged cecile with their charities it was part of their idea of a good education one must be charitable they said themselves that their house was the house of god besides they flattered themselves that they performed their charity with intelligence and they were exercised by a constant fear lest they should be deceived and so encouraged vice so they never gave money never not ten sous not two sous for it is a well-known fact that as soon as a poor man gets two sous he drinks them their alms were therefore always in kind especially in warm clothing distributed during the winter to needy children oh the poor dears exclaimed cecile how pale they are from the cold honorine go and look for the parcel in the cupboard the servants were also gazing at these miserable creatures with the pity and vague uneasiness of girls who are in no difficulty about their own dinners while the housemaid went upstairs the cook forgot her duties leaving the rest of the brioche on the table and stood there swinging her empty hands i still have two woolen dresses and some comforters cecile went on you will see how warm they will be the poor dears then maheude found her tongue and stammered thank you so much mademoiselle you are all too good tears had filled her eyes she thought herself sure of the five francs and was only preoccupied by the way in which she would ask for them if they were not offered to her the housemaid did not reappear and there was a moment of embarrassed silence from the mother's skirts the little ones opened their eyes wide and gazed at the brioche you only have these two asked madame gregoire in order to break the silence oh madame i have seven monsieur gregoire who had gone back to his newspaper sat up indignantly seven children but why good god it is imprudent murmured the old lady maheude made a vague gesture of apology what would you have one doesn't think about it at all they come quite naturally and then when they grow up they bring something in and that makes the household go take their case they could get on if it was not for the grandfather who was getting quite stiff and if it was not that among the lot only two of her sons and her eldest daughter were old enough to go down into the pit it was necessary all the same to feed the little ones who brought nothing in then said madame gregoire you have worked for a long time at the mines a silent laugh lit up maheude's pale face ah yes ah yes i went down till i was twenty the doctor said that i should stay down for good after i had been confined the second time because it seems that made something go wrong in my inside besides then i got married and i had enough to do in the house but on my husband's side you see they have been down there for ages it goes up from grandfather to grandfather one doesn't know how far back quite to the beginning when they first took the pick down there at Requillard. monsieur gregoire thoughtfully contemplated this woman and these pitiful children with their waxy flesh their discoloured hair the degeneration which stunted them gnawed by anemia and with the melancholy ugliness of starvelings 
there was silence again and one only heard the burning coal as it gave out a jet of gas the moist room had that heavy air of comfort in which our middle-class nooks of happiness slumber what is she doing then exclaimed cecile impatiently melanie go up and tell her that the parcel is at the bottom of the cupboard on the left in the meanwhile monsieur gregoire repeated aloud the reflections inspired by the sight of these starving ones there is evil in this world it is quite true but my good woman it must also be said that workpeople are never prudent thus instead of putting aside a few sous like our peasants miners drink get into debt and end by not having enough to support their families monsieur is right replied maheude sturdily they don't always keep to the right path that's what i'm always saying to the ne'er-do-wells when they complain now i have been lucky my husband doesn't drink all the same on feast sundays he sometimes takes a drop too much but it never goes farther it is all the nicer of him since before our marriage he drank like a hog begging your pardon and yet you know it doesn't help us much that he is so sensible there are days like to-day when you might turn out all the drawers in the house and not find a farthing she wished to suggest to them the idea of the five-franc piece and went on in her low voice explaining the fatal debt small at first then large and overwhelming they paid regularly for many fortnights but one day they got behind and then it was all up they could never catch up again the gulf widened and the men became disgusted with work which did not even allow them to pay their way do what they could there was nothing but difficulties until death besides it must be understood that a collier needed a glass to wash away the dust it began there and then he was always in the end when worries came without complaining of any one it might be that the workmen did not earn as much as they ought to i thought said madame gregoire that the company gave you lodging and firing maheude glanced sideways at the gleaming coal in the fireplace yes yes they give us coal not very grand but it burns as to lodging it only costs six francs a month that sounds like nothing but it is often pretty hard to pay to-day they might cut me up into bits without getting too sore out of me where there's nothing there's nothing the lady and gentleman were silent softly stretched out and gradually wearied and disquieted by the exhibition of this wretchedness she feared she had wounded them and added with a stolid and just air of a practical woman oh i didn't want to complain things are like this and one has to put up with them all the more that it's no good struggling perhaps we shouldn't change anything the best is is it not to try and live honestly in the place in which the good god has put us monsieur gregoire approved this emphatically with such sentiments my good woman one is above misfortune honorine and melanie at last brought the parcel cecile unfastened it and took out the two dresses she added comforters even stockings and mittens they would all fit beautifully she hastened and made the servants wrap up the chosen garments for her music mistress had just arrived and she pushed the mother and children towards the door we are very short stammered maheude if we only had a five-franc piece the phrase was stifled for the maheus were proud and never begged cecile looked uneasily at her father but the latter refused decisively with an air of duty no it is 
not our custom we cannot do it then the young girl moved by the mother's overwhelmed face wished to do all she could for the children they were still looking fixedly at the brioche she cut it in two and gave it to them here this is for you then taking the pieces back she asked for an old newspaper wait you must share with your brothers and sisters and beneath the tender gaze of her parents she finally pushed them out of the room the poor starving urchins went off holding the brioche respectfully in their benumbed little hands Mehud dragged her children along the road seeing neither the desert fields nor the black mud nor the great livid sky as she passed through Monceau, she resolutely entered maigrat's shop and begged so persistently that at last she carried away two loaves coffee butter and even her five-franc piece for the man also lent money by the week it was not her that he wanted it was catherine she understood that when he advised her to send her daughter for provisions they would see about that catherine would box his ears if he came too close under her nose End of section eight